Illegal Pete's has nine locations in Colorado and has expanded into Arizona as well. Illegal Pete's is a proud Colorado business and serves the most delicious mission-style burritos you'll ever taste. If you show your ticket from any event in Colorado the same day of the event, Illegal Pete's will give you a free draft beer or free margarita with your purchase of an entree. It's kind of a pretty sweet deal considering we also sponsor Within WeGo. Using WeGo to get your tickets... Go to Illegal Pete's, get yourself a free beer. It works out for everyone. I'm kind of I'm kind of annoyed with Illegal Pete's, though. I'm going to be honest, because they're making me spend a lot more gas. I have a Chipotle right up the road from me that I used to go to all the time, but now I go to Illegal Pete's instead because they taste better, but they're a little bit further away. So I have to drive a little bit further to get the food that I want from Illegal Pete's, but the food is absolutely worth it. So be sure to stop by next time you are in town. Pick up some Illegal Pete's. Just don't forget that ticket will get you a free beer. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scores. Nathan McKinnon, call J.T. Comfer, 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog, collective hugs, 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with over a thousand different varieties of beer and wines and liquors from around the world. They have something for everyone at either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch. They also have an app which you can download today to shop and browse their inventory as well as sign up for their loyalty program to get exclusive deals. They can even ship products to you if that's what you're looking for. Just be sure to give them a try and, and get lost in the, the sauce, I guess, because they have so much of it. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We are here on Tuesday. The Avs fell to the Los Angeles Kings 3-1 to last night. I honestly don't have that much to say about the game itself. Obviously, some things happened in it that could cause some repercussions, though. AJ, this was honestly just a pretty rough game for the Avs all around. Yeah, it was... <clears throat> it was kind of like the 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 proverbial straw that broke the camel's back, right? Yeah. Like they've been kind of teetering playing uh, uh some of the bottom feeders of the league, kind of been teetering on success and failure, walking a very thin line in one goal games, um being being very susceptible to losing to the bad bounces. And last night was kind of just a culmination of a lot of that. I thought where um, that that I mean, that it was even two one in the third period, and that they pushed and came as close as they did. It's I think it's a testament to the character and the resiliency of this team. Um, you know, their goal was a hundred percent luck. Like, yeah. <laughs> but then again, I mean, so were both of the Kings' first two goals, and. The Avs had hit multiple posts at that point as well. Landeskog won in the power play that really should have been a goal. So 
Definitely. Uh, and then, you know, Joe's hitting the post with uh, like 30 seconds left. Like had that gone yeah. in, it's like, okay, now you lost three to two, you know, yeah. like it, that would have been whatever. And then obviously Nachushkin not scoring on the penalty shot. So like Colorado had some chances there. Uh, they, they had their opportunities to, to get where they needed to get. And it was just a lack of execution. And, um, the the hard part is is that when you how you could point to individual events like that like oh hey they had those two scoring chances that tells you that they were really struggling to create um that right. they had seven shots in the first half of the game right and they only had 22 in the entire game uh against against LA and you know LA is playing really well right now uh it was their sixth straight win so they're on they're i mean they've been on fire and Colorado playing second night of a back to back. Um, you know, they're they they have no basically no days off because they are either on their day off every single day, they are either traveling uh or um coming off of something uh or yep. both. Yep. So it's like brutal. there's yeah, it's it's just a very compact schedule where there's just not enough time to do it and they're not even practicing anymore. Uh, because they are so banged up, and really, just the story of the game is just the Nathan McKinnon injury. Um, it kind of felt like the Duchesne trade game in that way, where it was just like, "Oh, there's a game on." Yeah. The most important thing that happened in this game had nothing to really do with the hockey going on, <laughs> right? Like the game continued on, and everybody watched it because it's what we do. But like, it was just like, okay, like the story of this game has already taken place. Yeah. And, and it, it sounds it sounds um, like the McKinnon thing. They avoided disaster here, and which is good. You know, we'll get we'll get into that a little bit later. But you know, this Kings game, it it's funny because people are like, "Wow, why did they, why did the Avs play the Kings so poorly?" Like, first of all, that's their entire history. They yeah have, they they showed the graphic and it, they're like the Kings are like eleven four and two or something against them in their last 20 games or something like that. Yeah. And even going back to the Sackick Forsberg, you know, the glory era, the Kings, the Kings gave them a handful. I mean, you go back to the 2001 Stanley cup run, the Kings took the abs to seven games and there was no reason that those rosters, when you look at those rosters, there was absolutely no reason (laughs) that that, that series should have gotten a seven. It's just for whatever reason, the Kings just historically are a, one of those franchises, but you look at, you also look at the three games they played this year on a more micro level stadium series. It's a totally sloppy, you know, that's, that's the kind yeah. of, that's, that's the kind of game that you expect. Uh, we, we got the game kind of game. We expect just a sort of a sloppy mess of a hockey game. And then two games in LA where the abs are coming off back to backs both nights and, and the Kings are rested both nights. And, that Jonathan Quick guy just seems to kind of have the Avs number, too. Yeah, well, and, and you look at his career, and some of his strongest career numbers are against the Avs. So it's yep. all, it was really all just sort of added up to, you know, we, we we talked about last week where we said, hey, they could lose all three. They didn't. It felt like it, it felt like a victory to me. Yeah, to just take two points out of this road trip. Yeah. That, 
it feels like less of a victory with what's going on with McKinnon. But. Right. It was, it was, they were trying to just survive this road trip because it felt like reinforcements were on the way. Yep. You know, Evan keeps posting videos of all the guys who are out and they're skating, all the injured guys, and they're not skating if they're not somewhat close to coming back. Mid March, guys, it's, it's March, it's March 10th. We're, Basically mid March. Yeah. yeah. We're transitioning into mid March here. Um, because you know, ten days from now, we'll be into we'll we'll be at the beginning of late March, so we're getting into mid March. They they just needed to get out of this road trip healthy, and of course, the one the one injury or as healthy as they could, uh, and the one injury they absolutely could not sustain was Nathan McKinnon, and he left the game. Do you have any Do you have any thoughts on what we think is the play where he uh, might have gotten hurt? Because I saw I saw some conversation about a slew foot. Um, that, that's not a slew foot. What I, people are calling a slew foot is like the weakest slew foot ever. Well, and like when you watch it live, like when you slow it down and frame by frame it, it looks way worse than it actually was. Yeah. Like, because well, when you watch it live, it's so low impact. He comes off those boards and he thinks he's fine too until he's like halfway through that turn as he's cutting back towards the slot. Yeah. And then you see him just realize something is wrong. Right. He kind of bends over. Yeah. And and stops striding. And that's yeah. always indicative of a dude with a lower body injury is when they completely give up trying to take another stride. Yeah. He literally coasts through the last 10 seconds of that shift. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah it's I, unfortunate. Yeah, I didn't think anything of the hit. Um, I didn't think it was dirty. I didn't think it was. I thought I thought it was on its way to being a slew foot. Had he followed through and continued, right. if he completed it, maybe. But yeah, but it did not. It did not look that way to just to me. Um, you know, but it it obviously I say is a low impact. It was obviously impact enough to we we think anyway to cause McKinnon an issue. Um. They were already down to nothing and they were playing like garbage. And I think that this was just them being safe. Um, Honestly, Bedner, you know, Bedner has his Tuesday uh, show on altitude radio. Uh, He did not sound all that concerned about it. And it makes sense. Certainly to, if there's anything wrong with Nathan McKinnon right now, just pull him out, throw that game in the bin and, and make sure he's okay. Right. Like, Hey, give it, give it all, all you can to, to try to win that night without him. And, you know, you try and hero mode it out if you can, but if you can't, then that's fine. I mean, you, you move on and whatever, but with, with McKinney, you just can't take any chances. I mean, you just can't this time of year. You can't, you can't risk him being like, Hey, I'm a little uncomfortable. Let's go test it. Uh, I feel pretty confident that if this was a playoff game, he would have been back out there. Yeah, and I, I agree with you and certainly would not want McKinnon to play at all if there's something a little bit wrong because playing right now ultimately just doesn't matter. We've talked about it on the other show. Yep. Maybe they don't end up catching the Blues and that hurts a little bit, but they're pretty darn secure in the second spot in the Central. Right. So, and and like even even if somebody catches Dallas, you know, if somebody if somebody catches Dallas, they're even more secure. Right. Because then think. that's their own dogfight. Right. Because then because then Dallas is not catching Colorado if somebody is catching Dallas. Yep. So and right now that's a closer gap. You know, right now 
Uh, I think Dallas is five points up on Minnesota, and yeah. the Stars remain eight back. They're only four points up on Winnipeg, so Dallas has way bigger problems than catching Colorado. For sure, they, Dallas is three, four, and three in their last ten games. They've lost two in a row, and they've blown through the cushion that they had. They're only six. They're only six points up on sixth place Nashville. So. Uh, Dallas, Dallas has some of their own problems here. I don't, I don't think that Dallas should be sitting around worrying about Colorado and I don't think Colorado should worry too much about Dallas. Um, the stars have 14 games left, uh, with an, and an eight point deficit. We've talked, um, a lot recently. That's a big gap. It- it's one of those situations to me where the only team Colorado should be worrying about is themselves. Like, obviously, the Definitely, idea like, is to catch St. Louis, but you got to play it smart. When you have to be realistic, like, you know, um, they've had two chances now to, yep. to tie them. But that doesn't mean, you know, they're still two back and they still have a game in hand. And they still have a head-to-head game coming up. So... Uh, you know, there's 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 still time here. Um, and, you, know. you know, in a week, two weeks, maybe the abs are back to full health and we're saying, OK, go chase down the blues. But cross that bridge when you get there kind well, of thing. The big thing here is that the blues haven't separated despite all these injuries that Colorado's having. They're two points bad. They're two points ahead with with the abs having a game in hand like they've their separation is. One game. And if Colorado starts to get their guys back this week, they start to get a little healthy, then, you know, like they're, they're time to strike and separate. If it's not already over, it's very close to ending. I mean, hockey's just fickle like that. The Blues are eight and two in their last 10. So it's not like they haven't been playing well. The abs have just been keeping up through the injuries. Right. So. Uh, the, yeah, and and you know, the Blues, the Blues have some of their own problems. I've been watching a lot of their games lately, and they've got they've got some issues of their own. Um, the West this year, boy, does it feel down? Even at the top, it just doesn't feel like there's there's a real scary team. Everybody's got deep flaws. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. I still think the West is a bit of a bloodbath, but it's not quite as stacked, I guess. Yeah, it's it's just that there's not like like you look out east and, you know, you look at like Washington, Philly and and I guess it was Pittsburgh until they've completely fallen apart here. Well, you can uh, talk about in teams with injuries. Right. Well, and and Boston and Tampa Bay like it just feels like the high end out east is really high. Yeah. For sure. So, yeah. and yeah. Colorado is I you know, I think call I think Colorado's a top 6 team in in the NHL, top 7 team in the NHL somewhere right in there. Uh and if they're healthy, I think that they could be a top 2 or 3 team. But they're getting by right now and that's they're they're in survival mode and they're surviving and that's great. The the road trip sucked. It's over. All they the, that road trip was destined to suck. It's why we talked about it the way we did last week. Of like, hey, if they get a win, that's great. Yeah. Well, so, they done. survived. Let's it. move on. Yeah. And all you have to do 
is survive three more days, and you can come to the DNVR bar and drink yourself some Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR, which is super official now that we're going to have it at our bar. It's going to be kind of dope. Highly recommend you come out on Friday, first of all, for the opening of the bar. Doors officially open at 5.30, uh, but be sure to RSVP. Maybe get there a little bit early because it's opening night of the bar. We expect a few people to show up. Um, other than that, get your Breck brew from us, get it from Davidson's, get it wherever you are locally. You can use the Breckenridge beer locator online on their website to find it, whichever type you want, go out there, pick it up and have a drink. You know, the drill with this type of stuff, whatever you want, the agave wheat, the avalanche amber, their new one that isn't quite out yet with, uh, is it, is it raspberry nitro stout or is it strawberry? I forget. Uh, it's the raspberry uh, nitro vanilla porter. The vanilla porter. That's what it, the yeah. raspberry vanilla porter. Yeah. Which AJ is like, cannot wait for that yeah, thing. Just <laughs> inject that into my veins. <laughs> so beer for everybody from Breckenridge Brew. Just go out and give it a try if you haven't yet. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine and Spirits with Rudo and AJ. We've talked about the McKinnon injury. Going to cause a lot of weirdness going on in the Avs lineup, but honestly, that started at the beginning of this LA Kings game. The Avs opted to go quote-unquote 11 forwards and 7D, where really they had Mark Barbario playing as a forward. There was a whole lot of weirdness going on. They opted to sit Sheldon Dries to play Barbario at forward. And then on top of this, Vladimir Mesnikov was apparently questionable before the game, so they had called up Martin Kaut as an emergency call-up, who then, because Nemesnikov dressed, were not allowed to play Martin Cow. Yeah, we're learning a lot about this emergency call-up situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, because the way that they made it sound like last night is that you have to designate your injured player for the emergency call-up. Yeah. And that when you do that, if that guy can't go, then your call-up can't play. Or if that right. guy can go, then your call-up can't play. It's very specific. and Right. And as much as it's like, hey, Martin Kaut has been good and blah, blah. I'm not taking Martin Kaut over Vlad Mestikov after the way that he's played. Yeah, certainly not. That's not so, a reasonable. Um, it's <laughs> it's it's just a it, everything about last night, like the the abs released the projected lineup and it was super incorrect. And like nobody knows what the hell is going on. Uh, you had the you you had the guys who fancy themselves real journalists in the building, not knowing what's going on. Like it was, it was just such a weird night, man. Like I can't remember a time where there was such confusion over multiple parts of the lineup. You know, earlier this year, obviously we had that whole Ryan Graves thing where Graves was listed in the lineup by the team. And I walked into the building with him and it was like, yeah. aren't you supposed to be playing? Nope. And the Avs were like, no, like, but for some reason, like they let this graphic sit up on social media all day. That's incorrect. And then immediately before the game last night, they post, they post, they, they didn't even do it. Like they post this graphic just before the start of the game and it's got multiple errors on it. And it's like, what's the point of this? Well, even the pregame show for Altitude was talking about how Nemesnikov isn't going to play in this game. 
and then he yeah. did. Well, and like we we had no idea yesterday. We were speculating that it was Joseph that was hurt. Right. Had no clue what was going on with the lineup. Like, and it was just it was so like everything like you want to have a perfect example of what happens when an organization doesn't want to tell anybody about injuries and then chaos reigns on the injury front. Last night, yeah. last night, as the puck dropped and Nikita Josadorov jumped on the ice, like 30 seconds in, it was like, okay, I guess Zadorov is playing. Okay, I guess all seven defensemen are playing and Kaut and Dries are both scratches and Barbario's back and forward. Like, well, this is madness, dude. Yeah, it was just totally, totally random. And there had been no talk at all about scratching Sheldon Dries either. It, I just found out like a minute into the first period. Oh, Dries isn't in the light up, apparently. Well, that was the thing about the first like four minutes of the game is we were trying to figure out what the hell the lineup was. Yeah. Because you had to wait for them all to get onto the ice and start yeah. actually getting in pairs together. And it was just like, like, <sighs> It was so frustrating because it was like from a media perspective, you like to accurately put out information that so that people rely on you and people trust you. And then like when you don't have any information and the team puts out information and you're like, okay, this is what the team said. And then the team information ends up wrong. You're like, what's the disconnect in your own organization that you guys are putting out incorrect information? Like, I really hope you're not making game decisions 30 seconds before the puck drops, you know, to scratch Sheldon drives. Like, I get I get that, like, Nemesnikov's a game-time decision, so he was going to take warm-ups to see how he felt. We know that Cal took warm-ups because we saw him out there. We saw Zadorov out there. Okay, that all makes sense. You have game-time decisions to make. Okay, fine. But it's like, where in your information process are you breaking down? Yeah. Where you can't not get the, mem- the memo. Yeah. Like, like the organization itself isn't even putting out correct information. And it's just like, how is that happening? And what are we supposed to do? Well, this, this isn't like, oh, big, important player could be a game time decision. And we're not going to release that information because we think speaking as the abs here, they think that they're getting an advantage somehow tactically by not letting the other team know who's going to be in the lineup. But if you're talking about the difference between Sheldon drives and Mark Barbario playing six minutes on your fourth line, nobody's going to change their game plan, whether whoever's in the lineup for that. Right. Like, and I don't even think it's a competitive thing. I just, I just, for me, last night, it was just frustrating because the organization itself screwed that up right before the start of a game. Yep. And, like, I imagine there's lots of stuff happening, but, like, why put out that graphic at all unless you're 100% confident that it's accurate? Like, I understand if you put out a projected lineup at 2 p.m. and things change stuff before the change, trip, right. like, there's five hours for stuff to change when the oh, like, graphic whatever. comes out after you've submitted the lineup to the refs. <laughs> right. And like, I totally get all that, but it's like, how is it that that graphic comes out and that it was just a frustration. We've, we've spent more time on this than we needed to, but it was just the, the flow of information with the injuries in the organization continues to be a, a frustrating process right now because 
like, I don't think Jared Bednar's lying to us when he says, Hey, I just don't know. You know, these guys go day to day. And, and so they call it day to day because the way that they're viewing day to day as a designation is not any day that they can come back, but on any given day, they will come in and they will check the update of that player or the progress of that player. And then, Hey, when they're ready, they will get on the ice in a non-contact Jersey. And then, when they uh, progress from there to the point where, okay, then they can take contact. Then they've gone through a contact practice. They've gone through their testing protocols that they have internally. They've gone through the stuff with their, uh, with the skills coach and he has given the thumbs up and they go through all these different things. And then the guy's ready. And I think that's how they use, that's what they're in their eyes. That's what they use the day-to-day designation for, but it's just, we just don't know. And that's why the joke now is, oh, hey, a guy's day-to-day, it's actually week-to-week. Because on any given day, oh, hey, he could be feeling better. You just don't know when that day is going to be. And so they don't give us any timeline. They don't they don't give us anything. You know, with, with Kadri and, and Ranton, and it was at least like, hey, like this is going to be weeks, not days. Because he doesn't want to answer questions about it every day. Naturally, he has to answer questions about it every day. Because it's like, hey, are these guys any closer? And now that we've seen all these guys out on the ice, it's like, okay, how close are these guys? What's actually going on? And the fact that we're not having any practice days on off days because they're either traveling or too banged up to practice just means that we're we're constantly in the dark here. And you're talking about an organization that is the iron curtain when it comes to internal information. I have no idea how to explain to other people how difficult it is to try and get information out of people from this organization where you're, you're trying to figure out what's just basically just what's going on. And we don't really know. And because of that, like we've got, we've got this call up situation now where it's like, is Sheldon was Sheldon dries on an emergency call up. Yeah. I, since we're segueing into this today, the Avs sent both Martin Cout and Sheldon dries back to the Eagles which is weird unless they're just planning to run this 11 forward 7D setup and just not have any extras, I guess. So they had to, they are three call-ups that the, you get four, four post-deadline call-ups. All right, let's just run through the math here, okay? Yeah. Four post-deadline call-ups. They used three of them on day one. Immediately. Cow- Logan O'Connor and and Michael Hutchinson and Hutchinson. Yeah. And then they had on uh, the, the Carolina Nashville uh, back to back in between those games, they sent down and called back up Logan O'Connor. Yep. So that was four. And then dries and count came back. Right. And then this most recent count one we know for sure was, was an emergency one, but dries had to have been emergency too. Otherwise that would have been five call-ups. And so, as we were learning last night, apparently you have to designate an injured player for that guy to call to be called up. So if he got sent back down, that means that whatever player Dries was called up for is, is healthy. likely healthy, right? The question is, which one is it? As the only one it seems like is not close, so uh, other than McKinnon, obviously, is Burakovsky. According to Evans, reporting based on their, what they were skating today, Burakovsky was off by himself a little bit while. Rantanen, Kadri, Calvert, uh, Makar, and Grubauer were all kind of skating together in a little yeah. pseudo practice. And 
from where I'm sitting, it won't be Grubauer. Right. Then <laughs> I don't think he was designated for Grubauer. Right. So we're okay. Take that one off the board. I think that if McKinnon was actually like hurt, hurt, they could have kept that guy. Right. They just switch who he's designated for or whatever. Exactly. And so they could, they would have been able to keep either Cout or Dries. And so I think that there's optimism there. And then I think that there's optimism that, um, so, and Nemestikov is fine. So he had to go back. McKinnon is fine. Otherwise they could have changed the designation. And then that there's another forward who's fine. Who's, who's there planning on being ready to come back. It's either that, or they are so insistent on trying to help the Eagles that they sent both guys back for them to play because they have a game tonight, correct? Yeah, but if you're bringing them back, then they're essentially playing. Well, I guess they didn't play in the game on Monday, but I mean, that's brutal to make them go back to back like that. Right. But that's the other that's the other question is it could be that's that's the other part of this equation where you're saying, OK, we're either we're reading the tea leaves and it's either that it's either we're right and that the McKinnon is healthy and another forward is ready to come back or they're so insistent on helping the Eagles. I just the Eagles don't need the help. They're, they're second in their division. These guys back for the Eagles game tonight and then they will have an emergency designation again in the morning to get one of them to come back or both of them, depending on whatever the situation might be. And because it, they're in Loveland and because the abs are at home, they can get away with these kinds of little shenanigans. I, so I, I just the don't two theories, buy that. I don't buy the latter of those theories. Okay. So you're buying good health. Yeah. Because the Eagles are second in their division. I talked about this on the DSP today as well. Actually, mm-hmm. they're playing quite well from a, from that standpoint, even managing all the call-ups that the abs have, have dealt with. They're doing fine. They're, they have a very good chance of having home ice advantage in the playoffs, even for the first round. So I, it's not out of the realm of possibility that say they are saying, Oh, we need these guys in Loveland, but they really don't. They've been winning <laughs> without them. So I, yeah, I my initial thought when I saw that Dries and Cout were sent back was, boy, that suspiciously seems like someone's healthy. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with it. Um, Reading those few leaves, it, putting all the pieces together like that, it felt like that's what the puzzle came out to be to me. But we've also seen them abuse the affiliation just up the road the way that, like that. So. Yeah. And th- I mean, for all we know, they'll call up Bowers tomorrow and we'll be completely wrong again. So, <laughs> Which, yeah, right. Like, or who, you know, they bring TJ Tynan back. Whatever. Like, whoever whoever they want to, like, they, yeah, they right. use another emergency call upon. Someone that can play center because McKinnon's out or whatever. <laughs> right. So it's, <clears throat> it's, it's frustrating that we have to do this song and dance because we just don't know what's going on. Yeah, it is what it is, but yeah, and this is the reality of trying to deal with injuries to the abs right now. There's so many of them and they're so vague (laughs) in talking about them. And it's tough. It's just tough all the way around. Obviously, the abs would love to be healthy 
too, <laughs> and cruising through some of these games instead of trying to scrap by putting a six man out with the goalie pulled of Sam Gerrard, Kevin Connaughton, Gabe Landeskog, JT Comfer, Vlad Nemesnikov, and Val Nachushkin. Uh, if you had told me on October 1st that that was going to be the lineup in a goalie pull situation, I would say, okay, so we're missing the playoffs then. But yeah, here the Avs are, second in the Central. So we're going to get out of this second period here. It's time to tell you about Inwego. It's the monthly membership for doing things and your one-stop shop for all types of events around Denver. Inwego members get tickets to sports, concerts, and local events, and it's all included in their one flat membership free. Plus, when you use code DNVR, you get a free month. That's a $45 value for free, a month of going to stuff, doing things, be it Rockies opening day coming up very soon here. An Avs game, a Nuggets game, the Colorado Raptors, any concert under the sun, that can get you hooked up. They have three different tiers, $25, $45, and $65 a month. So if you don't go out that much, go with the $25. If you're going out all the time, get all the way up to that $65 value and save yourself a ton of money to go to hundreds of different events in and around Denver. Just remember to use that code DNVR to get that first month free. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Rudo and AJ. We've spent enough time, I think, wandering around, slapping at the walls in the dark on these speculations and ponderings of what the Avs roster might look like. So let's move on to something a little bit more tangible. Chris Peters put out his top 50 NHL prospects list today with ESPN and the Avs did quite well on this list three players on it Bowen Byram Alex Newhook and Martin Kaut all making the list the first of those two both being in the top 10 extremely encouraging stuff for the most part here as the Avs were highly ranked going into this season for their prospect pool and it has only improved as the season has gone on. So I want to start here um, with Cout at 37. Yep. Um, would you have Martin Cout? If you were making up your top five abs prospect list, where is Martin Cout? Probably three. Maybe four. Okay. Um. And then had you asked me two months ago, it would have been very different, but I can't put him any higher than three because of what new hook has done this year. Okay. See, I would have him at five. Who? Okay. So Bowers. No. Okay. And, and then, yeah. And Timmons. Yeah. I, after the eight game stint that Cout just had in the NHL, I can't put Timmons ahead of him. I mean, I think that's I think that's that's fair. Um, but I'm I I am, and I still I just think uh, that like when you're talking about like when you're ranking them, right? Like you're considering sure. not only proximity, but you're also talking about upside and future role and blah 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 blah. And I think that Timmons is still on track to be a higher impact NHL player than Cout. 
in the style of Prospect Pyramid, they're both tier two. Yeah. Right? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Uh, I would have, uh, I would have them in a in a pyramid. I would have them in tier two with Ananin and Bowers. Yeah. Same. Same here. And then Byram tier one, New Hook tier one and a half, basically. Yeah. So. Yeah, whatever order you want to put him in there, sure. I'd, I'd be, I'm fine with Cal being anywhere from three to five. Okay, it, I was just curious because yeah. this is obviously how he's ranking them. Yeah, because I mean he's he's not going to have you know Annan in at three and then not put Annan in his top fifty. Right, but I mean so. to be honest, a little surprised Annan didn't make the list. Uh, you know, there were only, I think there were three goalies that did. So, cause like his highest goaltender was Spencer Knight at 16 and then he had Igor Shesterkin at 17. Yeah. But it's still like, I understand why, especially with the Russian goalie, I understand why they get ranked so high. Yeah. But I still think based on the season that Annan has had, he could make a case for the top 50. I think so too, uh, especially because he has Sorokin uh, at like 26. He's got Sorokin right in the middle of this. And then the next goalie he has is an honorable mention, and it's Ukopeka Lukanen. Who? And uh, I think that Ananen is at least on Lukanen's level. Right. That's kind of where point. I'm at as well. So, okay. I was just, I you know, I was just curious where you had them before we kind of got into this, this list of uh, Chris Peters, top 50 already drafted, not in the NHL. Like these are, you know, the, the top prospects. Yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable with count at three or four or five. Okay, cool. I just, I just thought it was, it was interesting because uh, it felt like th- I really, I, I strongly suspect Cal's not on this top 50 without the strong NHL showing. Oh, yeah, no chance. Like and and even in his write up he said uh it just didn't look like Cal was turning the corner at all. And then he said he looked good in his first NHL call up. That Eight NHL games can do a lot for a player. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, wow." Cuz he had him previously ranked at the start of the season when he did a top 100 list, he had Cal at 63. So, yeah, I find I, that I, fi- I find that interesting that Cout is like the big leap there because Cout is if you if you had asked abs fans, who are your top abs prospects before the Cout call up? Uh, I think Bowers probably would have. I think he was probably like the hot guy. Yeah, for sure. I think um, Bowers would have been the three. Right. Timmons hanging around as well, obviously. Right. When Timmons somewhere in the three or f- three or f- uh, four area, and then you know, Ananin's just had such a great year that I just couldn't ignore all that. But the big jump there is Alex Newhook. Yeah, all the way up to seven. Yeah, because Byram at five, and we'll talk about this in a sec. But Byram at five jumps up from twelve in the preseason. I think that's a fair jump, knowing that there are a handful of graduations that took place at the very top as well. Um, you know, guys like uh, Jack Hughes, Capo Cacao, Quinn Hughes, and Kale McCarr all graduated. So that's four pretty high-end guys that disappeared off this list. 
uh, and Byram only jumped seven spots. So he really only made a three spot jump once you take out the graduations. Uh, for Newhook to jump from the 30s into the top 10 really drives home the kind of special season, season that kid is having. Yeah. Right. And in Peters' write up, he mentions he compares him quite a bit to Johnny Gaudreau. And all I, I mean, can say is the rest of the Central better hope that that does not bear fruit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> They're in big, big trouble in the Central if that's accurate. And bigger than Gaudreau, obviously, but not a big player. Um, it's just, yeah, absolutely has earned the ranking in my eyes with what he's doing in the NCAA this year is just outrageous with the tournament games that, uh, BC is likely to get into. If they make a decent run, he could legitimately score 50 points this year. Right. And the 40 point barrier that he's already crossed. Yep. Um, I'm sorry. He's already, he's hit 40 points. I got, Corrected the other day for saying McKinnon broke the 90-point barrier. No, uh, he's he's crossed it. He's hit 42. Okay. So, oh, I forgot about the two assists the other, uh, over yeah, the weekend. In the, with the tournament games, he's over 40. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, new hook. The 40-point barrier, if you look at the true freshmen who have scored 40 points, uh, the list is a whole bunch of legit NHLers, and then Brandon Peary and TJ Tynan. Yep. Who both ended up as really high-end AHL players. At minimum. Right. At, and and were not, uh, like, high draft picks. Yeah. So, uh, Alex Newhook, <laughs> and we've, we've, you know, I'm sure somebody will ask, uh, or is curious during the segment, needs to go back. Don't sign him. I want to sign him. I do too. So bad, but there just isn't room. It's, I want to sign him, but I don't trust that he won't play third line center on the Eagles next year. While, while TJ Tynan and, and whoever replaces Jason Megna. Play in the NHL. Yeah, exactly. Plays in the top six and is one of the first call-ups and it's et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's just no reason new hook can, get his development with another year in college and then go straight to the NHL. Right. He's not playing on their top line. So when you consider that and the fact that he has developed defensively quite a bit this year, uh, new hooks game has really taken a big step forward. Learn from the past, take the conservative route, the extra year of college at absolute worst won't hurt his development at all. And we've talked about it a million times. The path is just so easy for him to jump straight into the NHL in 2021-22 season. So why mess up an obvious path? Right. So, right. It's it's great because the abs can spend all next year getting hype on that kid too because he's going to go off in the NCAA again. So it's really just makes sense from every possible angle, unless something crazy happens and suddenly there's an NHL spot open that doesn't look like there's going to be. Or, I mean, if they don't see him as a center in the NHL and they just say, Hey, yeah. we we think that we can drop him in and play him on the wing right now. Then like, 
Okay, but you're taking the Tyson Jost risk. Would be real weird not to see him as a center in the NHL right now, but yeah. It would be very weird. But that's that's kind of where I'm saying like they could try and fit him in type of thing. Yeah. Right. Like if they were like, look, we just want this kind of, we want this talent on our team. Um, it just may not be down the middle. Or so. you're or, or you're putting him down the middle and you're kind of resigning yourself to not having a defensive stopper kind of line. Yeah. Or or you're forcing yourself to at that point go Landeskog, Kadri, Nachushkin to be your heavy D lifting line. Along with the Belmar, uh, Calvert, and whoever else they'd like to put on that wing. At, so. at, even as you're saying these names, I'm just like, yep, it's just going to get too tight. <laughs> right. Like, and we talked about how Kout's not going to, like, Kout runs out of roster space. Yep. When everybody is healthy because of the addition of Nemesnikov and because Jost has played really well. Um, and even with Jost cooling off, you know, from the, from the scoring in those couple of, in the last couple of games, I still think he's played quite well, to be honest. Oh, yeah. He's been very, very solid. So, um, we're talking just realist. There's no space for new hook in the NHL right now. And uh, I just don't trust that they will do it well in the AHL yet. Yeah. So remember this pod when everyone is losing their minds over rookie development camp and new hook is, is dunking on nerds. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So top guy, Bowen Byram up into the fifth spot in all of NHL prospects. Top defenseman. Yeah, number so, one D man on the list by is, beats up, beating outsider by one. This is them saying this is the top defenseman not in the NHL. Yep, which I had designated him already, so it was just nice to see somebody agree. A little bit of confirmation there. Yeah. <laughs> so Byram at five, I think, is interesting, but the guys that I had ahead of him that that are ahead of him, I've got a bone to pick with because I think Byram is still tracking to be a, a top pairing defenseman a do everything you. top pairing defenseman kind of an Alex Petrangelo type career okay like that's where I kind of view his sort of game at right now is he could have that kind of trajectory Cole Caulfield had a great freshman year at Wisconsin he's still a goal scorer and that does the thing that he does right and led led a not very good big 10 in goals as a freshman that's no joke like credit to him but i would not have a still one-dimensional wing ahead of a franchise defenseman i mean just for reference alex newhook outscored cole caulfield same amount of goals more points Caulfield yeah. had 36 points in 36 games and compared to Newhook's 42. Newhook's certainly on a better team there. So definitely some team factor, but but not not without note, given that we're having this conversation. And then the guys at two and three, Trevor Zegross at two. Trevor Zegross, you think is the second best prospect in hockey? Like yeah, that's I get one. that I get that he has that really high end. And that if he works out, he's going to be the NHL's most dynamic playmaker of his generation. If he works out. There's more than a few steps to get there. 
and he's had a really strong freshman year at at BU. Again, I don't know that I would have him over a franchise defenseman. I can see the combination of him being a center and the combination of uh, a strong freshman year on on an okay BU team and having the really high end. You can sell me on that. So I can at least see where they're coming. Right. I'm at least sold on the theory that those two players could be better than Bowen Byram in the NHL. I Caulfield. I'm not, but Zgros. Yes. I, I, you already know. I wasn't a big fan of Caulfield at the draft. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't so either. It, uh, he is what he is. He's a goal scorer and, and that's great, but I kind of overlook him in this situation because they have Dylan cousins at three. And it's the one I don't... that really is weird to me because Cole Caulfield, like we're we're kind of like it sounds like we're like denigrating him, like oh he's a one dimensional goal scorer, he's a wing, you know, like he's gonna score forty goals in the NHL, and like he's gonna be very very valuable <laughs> right. for Montreal. Uh, but like he's the, the I I I would have him ahead of Cousins, and I would have both behind Byron. There you go. So. I, I 100% agree. I I don't see how you possibly put Cousins ahead of Byron. Well, Cousins is that do everything. Uh, he's got great size. He's very fast. He he does it all, right? Like, he's got the complete package. But the thing that's still missing from Cousins' game that uh, I think is still was, was missing during the draft cycle last year is that the high end. I don't I don't know that this guy is any more than you know a a twenty forty guy, a twenty thirty guy in the NHL. And he is having a great year in juniors. Yeah. To be all fair. these guys are. You're not gonna be but, in the top ten without having a great year. Right. But you're looking at this guy and you run into the trap a little bit there too, I think, with size in Canadian juniors. When there are bigger guys that just can outplay that league because they're bigger and stronger, yeah, the numbers tend to get a little ridiculous. Yeah, and he is his. It's his combination of size and ability that makes him such a an intriguing prospect. But you're right in that, like he's able to just physically dominate because there's. I mean, that the the WHL is still full of guys who are 16 and 17 years old. Yep. And Dylan Cousins, like, talk about his high end or his, his ability level, all that, but Dylan Cousins is a man. Like, that's a 6'3, 185, allegedly, but like, I think he's bigger than that now. A full grown, like, man. And while he still has plenty of room to fill out and get more into, like, the 210 range. Yeah. Like you're still talking about somebody that's regularly going to be able to physically impose uh, his will in a way that he would not be able to do in pro hockey. Dude's going to regularly match up against guys. He has a six inch reach advantage on and just <laughs> right. be able to hold pucks too far away from them. <laughs> and, and this is where I would have Byram ahead of him is that Byram is fine size wise. Like he's certainly, you don't know, you're not talking about him as a small guy. Um, and this is where I definitely dis- disagree with Peters' assessment in which he says that uh, defensive zone play is not a strength of his. I 
I'm not going to sit here and say Bowen Byram is a world-class defenseman, like a, I mean, a defender in his own zone. That sounds like a guy who started watching Bowen Byram at World Juniors. Yeah. And, and obviously, since the start of February in in the WHL, Byram has been a beast offensively. But the whole first half of the season, what he was working on was his defensive side. Right. So. And putting it together. And he took he's taken major steps in that aspect of his game. Yep. You know, I would say that his biggest weakness is just physical strength right now. Yeah. He's I, not filled out. He's not totally physically mature uh, to where he's going to be here in a... In where he's going to be in a in two three years, right? And that will absolutely come. It just takes time. So uh, of these guys, Caulfield, I think has already been. It's already been said he's going back for another year. Yep. Uh, number one on this list, we haven't talked about him at yeah, all. Well, he's um, kind of a special case, right? Uh, from the KHL, it's, it's the Wilds guy, uh, Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah, Kaprizov, I believe is how they pronounce it. Um. A super special, rare KHL talent, and not like the crazy overrated Eli Tolvanen one. Like well, he's also twenty two, but yeah, right. But like, he's actually producing big time in the KHL. Yeah. Whereas, like Tolvanen got all of his hype because he had a really good KHL season for a teenager. It wasn't just a really good KHL season; it was a good KHL season for a teenager. Kaprizov, Kaprizov is now well over a point per game, top three in scoring in all of the KHL this season. So kind of pretty good for that league. And yeah, it's it's hard to argue with that. You can make the argument of is putting a 22-year-old on a list with all these guys really a fair fight? But if we're talking just NHL rights own players that are not in the NHL, I think he makes sense as number one. Yeah, uh, I absolutely. I have no issues with him at one. Um, I keep hoping he's not going to sign. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but he probably will. And Minnesota is going to have another dynamic young player uh, to add to their coffers as they, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't even say look to rebuild because they're um, in the playoffs right now and still don't really show much thirst for tearing the whole thing down. So I don't know. Um, Byram should be in the NHL next year. 100%. If there's anything that this whole Zadorov thing has taught us, it's that that is quickly running out of, uh, well, runway and yeah. Bo and Byram coming. Yeah. The writing might be on the wall. <laughs> I, um, I would expect in this list next season to be, uh, Byram and Cout to graduate with New Hook and whoever they draft in the first round to still be on this list. Yeah, I think that's fair. Potentially, as we talked about, Anna and then maybe making a, a deep appearance or something like that as well. Interestingly, before I just wanted to touch on it, um, getting at it before we get out of here, since yeah. I know this one's running long. Alex Turcott, the other guy that we talked a lot about at four, um, is number nine. Another injury plagued season for him. Yeah, that's um, that was the big concern on him, and he's good when he plays, but he's got to right. play. <laughs> so, and uh, some of the some of the dynamic elements of his game have not been as evident as they were at the DP when he was playing behind Jack Hughes. 
So yeah, shocker there. It's it's interesting. Um, Matt Boldy, another guy we talked a lot about, is at thirteen, which I think Minnesota should view as a huge win given how he started. Yeah, that his first half even was rough. It was bad, and it was bad because of a thing that we talked a ton about, which was can he play center? And the answer is no. It was very obviously no. And he got back to the wing. He ended up next to, to, to new hook. And the two of them have been lights out ever since basically. I mean, unstoppable. They have a third freshman on their, on their line who I can never remember his name. It's something Hardman, And I think it's Mike Hardman. Yeah, it is. Okay. I guess I can't remember his name. (laughs) And it just reminds me of like a college version of that Halifax line that had yeah. Duran, McKinnon, and Ferk on it, where you're like, these are two studs, and then the and other the guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Ferk got his revenge last night with his not slew foot on McKinnon. Yeah, right. <laughs> like that punk. Um, is there anything else about this list? Uh, Peyton Krebs was the last thing I wanted to touch on. Yeah, down at 31. At um, 31, despite the fact that he's been fantastic for the ice. What? Yeah. What's, why 31? It's I crazy to me. I don't understand that one at all. I, unless, like, super worried about injury proneness again there or something, maybe. But I he's been great for the ice. He's still the extremely well-rounded center that he was before the injury. I hope. I don't understand why he's so low and Cousins is so high. <laughs> right. Well, and like Tomasino, Philip Tomasino uh, is at 30. Yep. And I... like Tomasino has been exactly what I thought he was going to be this year in the OHL as a, as a big time breakout player uh, who actually gets to play in all the fun roles that he didn't get to last year as like a primarily even strength guy. And somehow he's he's ahead of Krebs. And like Krebs was a guy that you and I both loved. We talked about him at, uh, at 16, Krebs' new hook, and how that's going to be an interesting conversation. Yep. Well, right now, Krebs, Krebs at 31, new hook at 7. The, the pros win this round. <laughs> I guess. I'd, Krebs at 31 still feels a little bit crazy to me. but it do, Well, and especially because like, he's behind guys like Alexander Romanov. Like, yeah. Some Victor Soderstrom, like, okay. Um, I mean, I like, always liked Soderstrom, but yeah. I did too, but I would, I mean, being behind Cam York, Niles Lundquist. Yeah, that's, that's not, that's not correct. Ty Smith at 20. I don't think that the, the, the gap between Ty Smith and some of these Krebs. other guys is that big. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that's the fun part about projecting prospects is, yeah. You get to see who's right five years from now. So, yeah. Well, and it's it's also a list of like like some of these you know Shesterkin's twenty four for example. Right. The, barely even prospects at this point in some cases. Yeah, but. and like Josh Norris is twenty years old and in the AHL and ripping it up and like totally belongs on this list uh, as as one of the top prospects around. But it's also, I mean, you're talking about guys who are in pro hockey like a step from the NHL against like kids in junior. Yeah. Sometimes it's not a fair comparison. <laughs> it's, it's tough trying to figure out like where you slot these guys in because of all of that, you know, because of all those factors. 
But for me, uh, Peyton Krebs is getting done a little bit dirty here. Um, I don't think that New Hook is overrated at all. I think New Hook has absolutely had that that kind of season. He's just been so special, and as in in as as much as it's easy to almost take Bowen Byram's what feels like inevitable greatness in the NHL for granted, uh, New Hook is the real I think shooting star of this of this class of this next wave of Abs prospects. I think he's the guy that probably. If he if he elevates to a Johnny Gaudreau level, uh, I've stylistically I've always kind of compared him to Matt Duchesne. If yep. he if he can be a Matt Duchesne seventy five point player, they have hit a grand slam and they are going to be an they, absolutely unstoppable offensive force. They win in cups with an S. Yeah, if that happens, straight up. I mean, if Newhook gets ninety percent of the way there and Byron gets ninety percent of the way to his potential, they are going to be so nasty. The fact that because if you look at the other the other thing on here, you look at all the teams, Minnesota Wild competing for a playoff spot, Anaheim not in a playoff spot, Buffalo, Montreal not in playoff spots, Detroit, LOL, Florida competing for a playoff spot, Los Angeles bad, Toronto competing for a playoff spot, Vancouver competing for a playoff spot. The only other franchise that's on here that's solidly in the postseason is Philadelphia, and they've got just the one guy. Otherwise, there is not another prospect. The Avs, the, the Avs have two of the top ten, and Philly is the only other team that has two prospects in here who are solidly in the postseason until Edmonton. So Alrighty. Colorado is nasty in the NHL, and they are nasty with the kids coming up. Whole lot of nasty. nasty. Gotta love it. All right. Well, as Strava says... Drink deeply, live fully, have nasty prospects. Strava Craft Coffee is a rich CBD-infused coffee that you can now purchase in K-Cups if you're a Keurig type of person. They also have whole bean or ground for you OGs as well. You can purchase online and get 20% off when you use code DNVR20. It's very, very quick to ship to you when you order online. You can also try it in a bunch of places around Denver. The CBD is non-psychoactive and it's been known to help long-term migraines, help decrease anxiety, help with arthritis, IBS, a bunch of other things as well. Super awesome. Give it a shot. Hopefully it will help you as well. And you get 20% off with that DNVR20 code. That is it for this one. For us, a whole lot of prospect talk. You can see AJ and I are definitely hockey nerds on this one. (laughs) Uh, But hey, that's why we're here. And very, very soon, you can come be hockey nerds with us at the DNVR bar and just chat about it all day long. Still super excited for it. One more time, it's opening this Friday. Doors open at 5.30 p.m. There will be both Nuggets and Abs watch parties going on. So please come out. Please RSVP as well to secure your spot and all of that. Until then, we'll talk to you tomorrow. DNVR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. DNVR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. DNVR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. DNVR Avalanche with AJ Hayfully.